Welcome back to the greatest podcast that's ever happened ever in the world uh, and the universe even. This is episode 69, Nice, and you are going to be joining us for a discussion all about the latest Red Hot Chili Peppers album, Unlimited Love. This is the third time that we've done a deep dive on an album. We've done Crawler by Idols, Prioritise Pleasure by Self-Esteem, and now uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which is sure to be a lovely discussion. Uh, My... I can't do it on my own, of course. Uh, I am your host, George, and I am joined by my co-host, Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. How are you doing, George, today? Hi, hi. Fantastic. Thank you. I'm very good. I am all good. It's a lovely (laughs) day. I'm filled with love. Unlimited love is here. I am happy. How are you? I'm happy too. I see you. I feel... Unlimited love for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all good. All is good. Excited to talk about this album. Finally, a new release from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, in some ways, you might consider it the first release since 2006. Um, And in other ways, that's not true, obviously. But um, anyway, Uh, but we're not going to talk about that yet. We've got our usual culture catch-up and my tube to go through first. This is culture catch-up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Um, so let's start with culture catch-up. We'll have a little discussion about the things we've been watching and listening to, etc. over the past week. And uh, it's your turn to start, Alex. Yeah. Okay. So today I've got only a couple of things to talk about. Um, I've uh, I've watched um, I've watched this film this week with Mila Kunis, which is an actor that is a very good. I really like her, uh, and I think she's extremely talented. Uh, but we we don't see her in enough of her. I don't think, or the things that she chooses to. Um, the films that she chooses never seem to be the ones that are popular or with the most maybe publicity. Uh, and so um, I, I I watched this film that I, I saw the trailer when it came out, but then I hadn't seen anything since. And it just popped up uh, again on one of the streaming services. And um, I watched it and it's 2020 film called Four Good Days. Have you ever heard of it? Hmm. I have not ever no. heard of the film Four Good Days. Which is crazy no. because it's uh it stars Mila Kunis, uh, uh-huh. Glenn Close. Okay. And Stephen Root, which, you know, Ooh. are not 
no small actors, especially Glenn Close and Mila Kunis. So no, definitely not. Uh, yeah, so it's yeah. it's just a film that had not hasn't had much um, exposure, and it's a film based on a 2016 Washington Post article called "How's Amanda: A Story of Truth, Lies, and an American Addiction," and it uh, uh, talks about um, it talks about uh, Molly. Uh, played by Mila Kunis, who is, uh, is, she suffers from addiction and uh, her journey to try to um, end her addiction and her, um, her relationship with her mother and the difficulties to get clean and how uh, these, uh, these can affect uh, your family. So um, from, from the start, you 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 find out that uh, this is not the first time that she tries to get clean this is not the first time that she has turned up to her mother's house and um the 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 reaction that her mother when her mother has when she sees her um without teeth and in really bad condition is maybe a reaction that you would judge because uh she does she kind of uh, pushes her away but then when you realise that this is not the first time that she's trying to get clean, uh, you kind of you kind of not really sure how to feel. And so this film it kind of shows you the difficulties to live with somebody with addiction and trying to help them uh, to uh, get clean and to change their lives, but also the difficulties uh, on, on all sides. Um, Mila Kunis is really good in it. She, um, she, she portrays uh, her, you know, a person with addiction really well. Uh, Glenn Close, of course, is uh, amazing. And she, um, uh, and, you know, she's a great actor. Um, the problem that I have with the film is just it concentrates a lot uh, throughout the film about uh, the struggles, uh, me, you know, Molly's struggles to get clean and um, her mother's struggles to uh, trust her and to uh, keep her clean and keep her away from um, her old life, and 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 it just it just builds up, builds up, builds up, and then, but then at the end when she she turns a page, Molly, it ends. So instead of mm. concentrating also on the recovery side where she has recovered and she's better, it shows the struggle and the recovery is just two minutes. And you see uh, Molly has uh, turned her life around and, um, you know, be not be an addict anymore or not not struggling anymore. And I think maybe sometimes with these films we we need to also concentrate on the the light at the end of the tunnel how 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 um not just on the struggle but also at the end there is hope that you can become better and i it would have been nice to have that bit as well it's a very short film it's only an hour and 40 minutes so they could have added 10 minutes to show uh molly as uh you know somebody that is back at her best uh but um it's 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 an interesting film uh she's addicted uh, she's addicted because uh when she was younger uh she got uh, prescribed she she hurt her uncle 
ankle or her knee and she got prescribed uh, oxycotin which is i think is an opiate so in america uh, this <laughs> there's a massive drug use of like over the counter drugs or like prescription drugs which then lead you to uh, uh to addiction to other drugs like heroin um, methamphetamine crack and i think uh, it's it's is good because it it shows it it you you find out why she's addicted and it was from a prescription drug that then stopped being pres- prescribed and 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 there's a big problem in america uh, this i yeah. i i wish it would have been a little bit more um and emph- would have been a little bit more emphasis on that and a little bit more emphasis yeah. on her recovery uh but it it it's a, it's a it's a it's an okay film um it, it, unfortunately it uh, it's nobody knows about it <laughs> or at least <laughs> it doesn't seem like uh many people know about it but uh, it it's okay and Mila Kunis is good and Glenn Close of course um and then uh, I'm going to uh, I've got a band recommendation uh i've nice. listen nice i've uh, listen uh, i've i would uh, this band called gum g h u m and they are a london based post punk band formed in 2016 and they oh, are exciting. yeah and they are uh, formed by a all uh, female ensemble or human with breasts or whatever uh, <laughs> not male ensemble <laughs> could i say that they're formed by not a male ensemble uh laura guerrero laura as vocals marina mj as in on bass juju core in guitar and vicky and in drums and uh, marina placed an advert on gumtree seeking bandmates and that's why they called gum with an h nice and mm. um they haven't released an album They've, they're going to release an album uh, g uh, june 2022 uh called bitter but i listened to uh, their ep called the coldest fire uh, released in 2019 and they are fun they're really good i really liked listening to them uh, they're really good driving music they give you some energy and i it, since um, you know, you've recommended a lot of um, post-punk bands, but a male is nice to kind of like listen to a different genre, gender, gender post-punk. And it's quite refreshing mm. and I like it and I think they're good. And maybe I think you might like them. Yeah, they sound good. I'll definitely be checking them out. Um, and good to know that they're putting an album out soon as I do like a good album. Yeah, yeah. Um, although, though, so. Don't forget about wet leg when you want when when you know when you're looking for female fronted and made up post punk. Yeah, bands. the problem with wet leg is just as they're not enough songs. Well, they put out their debut album today, so oh, that's, see, problem fantastic. is solved. See, problem solved. <laughs> that's fantastic because I I've, I have listened to them, but they kind of stop and then and then Spotify just sends me to other things. In the abyss, and then yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I'm I'm excited. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna listen to them. Yeah, and that's it. My short <clears throat> culture catch up. Lovely stuff. I liked it. Um, yeah, I don't think I'll watch Four Good Days, but I'll definitely have a listen to Gum. So <laughs> thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. And not that Four Good Days sounds bad. I just 
te- I, uh, like addiction movies don't tend to be my um my bag. I like but them have you when seen they. The one with Steve... Sorry. Steve Steve Carell and Timothee Chalamet. Have you seen that? No, one? I would like I to watch it. Be- Beautiful boy. Mm. Yeah, that, that that looks interesting. Um, but they just, I don't know, they seem to, I, I, they, not necessarily always true, but my perception of them is that it's sort of wallowing in misery a little bit and I don't really need that all the time. I like them when there is a message behind them, especially when they're in the States and, you know, a lot of people are addicted to, to, to drugs. Well, yeah, I mean, the opiate of... epidemic is, is a, is a yeah. big problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah opi- massive. Opioid crisis, etc. Yeah. So. Um. And yeah. What about you? Okay. What have you been doing? Well, what about me? I've got a handful of movies to uh, just to go through quickly. Uh, starting with uh, the 2021 British drama movie, Boiling Point. Ooh. Have you heard of this? No. This is a film that stars Stephen Graham, mm-hmm. uh, Vanette Robinson, uh, Ray Panthaki and Hannah Walters. Um, but really, you know, is very much centred around Stephen Graham, who is an actor that I have a lot of time for. I really like Stephen Graham. If you can't bring him to mind, you would definitely recognise him if you saw him because he's one of those actors that has been in everything from the BBC's Line of Duty to Hollywood's Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And um, he often plays... He's a bit of a character actor and often plays smaller parts and things, but when he gets an opportunity to be the star of something, it's always worth checking out, I, I tend to find. So um, in this movie, he plays Andy Jones, who's the head chef of uh, Jones and Sons, an upmarket restaurant in London. And um, the film opens with him arriving for an evening service at work uh, where he discovers the uh, there was a health and safety inspector on site uh, ready to downgrade his perfect five-star rating to a three-star rating due to his poor paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the prep hasn't been done properly and his staff are in something of a disarray. And uh, he discovers quite quickly as well that his celebrity chef mentor, um, da, 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 Alistair Syke, played by Jason Fleming, is booked in for that evening's uh, service and he did not realise it. And we then spend the rest of the movie seeing the service play out, wherein passive aggressiveness from his mentor, uh, there's a racist family, there's a peanut allergy that we need to contend with, um, there are Instagram influencers. Uh, we see all kinds of ca- uh, people come and go uh, over the course of the evening. And um, well, the movie's called Boiling Point. Uh, you know, all of these different things pile on the pressure until, uh, you know, the boiling point is reached. The thing about this movie that makes it um, interesting, I suppose, and I always kind of watch films when I find out this is true of them because I, I, I always find it like an interesting experiment, is that the movie takes place entirely in real time. And is one continuous unbroken shot and not mm. faked in the way that some movies will do like four continuous shots and then kind of stitch them together. This truly was one single continuous shot played live uh, and then, you know, filmed. Um, and uh, I believe they did it. They intended to do it six times or something over the course of a week. Okay. And due to the COVID pandemic, production was shut down early. So they only got like three goes in the bag. And I think it was the second mm. take that ended up as the film. And... Um, it's 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 really tense and really stressful experience to watch it, as I imagine working in a in yeah. a professional restaurant would be, as things are just going wrong and people are yelling at each other mm-hmm. and you know it all kind of gets out of hand and um, you see every every single problem is etched onto Stephen Graham's face as mm. he tries to deal with the evening and he clearly you know he can tell he's got problems going on at home he's got problems going on in the restaurant mm. and. Um, 
yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I liked it a lot. Uh, it's it's more than just a gimmicky real time film. I think there's mm. like good character work going on in it as well, and interesting stuff there. And um, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. It had yeah, and it had some uh, it had some BAFTA nominations. So nice. It did get some it did get some recommendation, and it turned up on Netflix in the UK recently, which is why I watched it. So if you have oh. an opportunity to check it out, I would definitely recommend Boiling Point. Definitely, um, I love those kind of things. Yeah. The kitchen, nerve wracking. Yeah, exactly. Ah. Oh, it's yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, another nerve-wracking movie is one I saw <laughs> earlier this week at a preview screening because it's not out until April the 15th in oh. the UK. So it will probably be, by the time people hear this, it will hope, it should be out in cinemas and you can go and see it. And it is the movie Operation Mincemeat. Okay. Which uh, is directed by John Madden and stars Colin Firth. Oh. Kelly MacDonald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matthew McFadden, Penelope Wilton, Johnny Flynn, and Jason Isaacs, which is quite the cast. And mm. it's a World War Two movie, and I often tend not to watch World War Two movies because mm. I feel like I've seen all of the World War Two movies a little bit. But um, I remember seeing the trailer. I remember seeing the trailer for this, and the story of it is really interesting. I'll explain mm. that in a minute. And the um, the cast really sold me. I was like Colin Firth, Matthew McFadden, yeah. Penelope Wilton, Kelly McDonald, Jason Isaacs. Johnny Flynn to a lesser extent, but like that's quite the cast. And basically, it takes place in I think it's nineteen forty. It tells the true story of it might be slightly later than that. I'm not sure exactly, but it's sometime during the war. Uh, it tells the true story of Operation Mincemeat, which is um during a pivotal moment during World War Two. Mm. Um, the UK agreed with America to land troops in uh, Sicily. Mm. Uh, to invade Europe uh, and try and, you know, win World War Two, etc. And they were... Basically, if they did that, the Nazis were assuming that they were going to do that. And so they needed to convince the Nazis that they were actually going to land in Greece and that uh, basically they... they, they the spy arm of the British government called the 20 committee set out to work out how to convince the Nazi regime that they were going to send troops to Greece to invade Greece so that the Nazis would move their troops from the Sicilian coasts to Greece to allow them to, uh, with minimal uh, defences, take Mm. Sicily, if that makes sense. Um, So the plan that they (laughs) come up with, which is kind of... um, the plan, because I think they'd agreed with the American government that they were going to invade Sicily, so it was like they had to invade Sicily. Um, yeah, nineteen forty-three, it took place the Allied invasion of Sicily. Hmm. So they had to go and invade Sicily. So they were trying to convince the Nazis that Greece was the real target. Hmm. Uh, the plan they came up with, which was a real plan, this really happened, was that they would take a dead body, dress it up like an a British soldier, uh, you know, captain, hmm. high-ranking British soldier, uh handcuff a briefcase to its arm and put inside the briefcase falsified documents hinting at an allied invasion of Greece. So that that was their plan that they came up with. So we watch we watch the um it follows mainly uh, Colin Firth's character who is Ewan Montague. Uh Colin Firth Colin Firth plays Ewan Montague and Matthew McFadden plays Charles Mm. Chumley, I think you pronounce his name. Uh, and they're the two men who kind of set out to make this plan work. 
Um, Jason Isaacs plays someone who basically is like in charge of British intelligence, briefing Winston Churchill on uh, the plan. And he thinks it's a terrible plan, doesn't want it to happen, but Winston Churchill decides it's strange enough to potentially work, so gives it the (laughs) go-ahead. So they kind of are fighting against the odds to try and make it work, and they have to find a dead body, and they have to work out how to falsify all this stuff, etc., etc. And um, it's pretty interesting again i don't know how accurate it is to reality because i haven't read the book it's based on stuff but the story it tells is really is 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 interesting um and um the only real there's two issues of it one it creates this strange romance between uh colin first you and montague and kelly mcdonald's jean leslie who's a work uh woman who kind of helps write the backstory to this kind of fictional general that they're inventing um and i don't know if that romance existed in real life but it's it sort of Mm. takes a lot of focus of the movie and it is quite a long film it doesn't necessarily need to be there and the second thing is johnny flynn is in this film playing ian fleming who was involved in this mission in real life but of course ian fleming's far more well known for going on to write um james bond and invent the character of james bond and so Everyone else is kind of acting characters, whereas Johnny Flynn is doing an almost caricature of Ian Fleming, which is weird. And there's lots of scenes in the movie where he's kind of hanging around at the edge of the scene, obviously looking at things, being like, hmm, this is an interesting idea for a spy. Like There's a bit where they go and get some gadgets off someone and he picks up a watch that has like a buzzsaw hidden inside it mm. and he's, he's looking at it like, oh, wow, it's an interesting idea. Um and there's a bit where, like, there's bits where he's writing on typewriters, and there's a whole thing to do with um, authors and things. And every every mm. every every general in the movie has written a book. Um, and there's a bit where Matthew McFadden has a big breakdown about the fact that everyone's written a book and why 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 is everyone writing books, which is weird. Mm. Um, uh, but then the the plan sort of goes to play, and it kind of ends up. It, it works against all the odds and it's quite tense at times seeing how all the times it almost falls apart because it's such a kind of precariously a precarious idea and a precarious plan that could mm. easily all fall apart and it kind of all ends up working and um, it ends up being instrumental in allowing this uh, invasion to happen and um, yeah it's, it's, it's a way far better movie than I expected it to be because like I said I don't tend not to be really interested in World War 2 mm. films but in terms of like the history of an interesting little bit of spy work that went on in the past, it's interesting to learn about it. And mm. uh, all the actors in it are really good, in particular Colin Firth and Matthew McFadden, and um, and actually and Kelly McDonald, who I really like Kelly McDonald when she turns up in stuff. And um, yeah, yeah, I liked Operation Mincemeat, and I would recommend that people watch it. It's pretty good, pretty good nice. film. Um, yeah. And then I watched um, a film that you watched a couple of weeks ago and I decided to watch The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah. Well, my homework at the moment coming up on our next uh, top five episode will be um, to watch Tick, Tick, Boom, the Andrew Garfield film. And I sat down last night and I was like, I'll watch an Andrew Garfield movie. And I decided to save Tick, Tick, Boom so it's a bit fresher in my mind for the next time we discuss Mm. that. So I watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye instead, mm. which um, I won't go into too much detail because you've kind of talked about it on another episode, yeah. but it tells the story of um, Tammy Faye Baker and 
uh, Jim Baker, to mm. a married couple who are televangelists in America, who real-life people, based on a documentary called The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and they were basically... They ran, what's it called, Praise the Lord satellite network where they were asking people to send, yeah. asking people to donate, donate them money basically on the idea that the more money you give to them, the more that God will love you. Yeah. Um, and then they basically just used that money to live very rich, extravagant lifestyles. Um, and he ended up being sent to prison for it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Chastain won an Oscar for portraying Tammy Faye and she... She is very good in this movie, yeah. and as much as she is unrecognisable as Jessica Chastain and completely falls into the character of Tammy Faye Baker, um, and it's a decently entertaining movie that's too long, I think. It's like two hours and eight minutes long yeah, or something. it's quite long, yeah. Um, and I guess my main... I think... <sighs> I get. I, I think I gave it three stars on Letterboxd. It, it, it has good things about it, mm. but... I feel like it's stuck between... It doesn't really tell the story of the downfall of, of Tammy Faye and um, Jim mm. yeah. very well. I didn't quite understand how they came to... And maybe it's assuming that if the audience is American, they already know how those two kind of... Yeah, maybe. No, because the story that's the story of the movie, surely. But like, I, I ended up not really being sure about what he'd done wrong exactly beyond quite clearly asking people for money and... But if he's asking people for money and then spending it on, like, the, the, people are giving him the money of their own free will, was mm. he claiming he was going to spend it on charity and didn't send, spend it on charity? Instead, he spent it on himself. Like, the movie doesn't quite tell that no. story in a way that is easy to follow. Because mm. it's more interested in Tammy Faye, who, yeah. whenever you read reviews of this film, Tammy Faye is described as being like, you know, she was very unusual for being an ally to LGBTQ plus mm. people and was always welcoming of all People and there's a couple of you know there's a scene uh, at a party where they're sat around a dinner table where Vincent D'Onofrio's um, character, who is another very famous televangelist uh, by the name of Jerry Falwell, is talking about the homosexual agenda and how the Republicans have to fight back against this, and Tammy Faye kind of speaks up against him and says, "Well, that's their America as well." And then there's another scene later on where she interviews a man who has AIDS, which obviously in the eighties there was mm. a lot of stigma around that, and yeah. she kind of talks about how much she loves him and he's on a te- he's on a satellite link but if if she was with him she'd put her arms around him and you know is welcoming and loving of everyone which is lovely and you know well done Tammy Faye Baker for having that view but i came away from the film feeling like what was interesting about Tammy Faye Baker beyond the fact that she liked to wear a lot of makeup and was more liberal than you might expect from a televangelist in the 80s in america Probably Did her she perse- do anything? Her perseverance. But perseverance against what? She didn't fight for anyone. She didn't like change the world in any way. I I, I got the impression that she just was was happy that the she was fine that with the fact that there were people in the world who had different sexual orientations to herself, which is fine. I also agree with that. But I don't have a movie about me. Like, what did she persevere against? What well, like- I don't get it. No, I think I think it was the perseverance from when she was young to to her religion and the fact that she came from like a very um poor family, religious family. It's an interesting story in the sense of her, the kind of person that she is, where she comes from and when she, uh, where she got to with the amount of um uh, maybe simplicity 
maybe like she she's kind of a simple person that yeah believed in the love for everyone in a in a in an atmosphere in 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 a in a in a mo in a place where there wasn't any love for anyone. I think she's an interesting character to look at, just because of what kind of life she had. Yeah, I don't know if I if I feel the same way. Mm. I don't know. I don't feel the same way. Mm. I felt like she wasn't interesting. Mm. Like. She like you see her very early on as a young woman at college where she meets Jim Baker and he's preaching about how we should be allowed to have things and God doesn't want us to be yeah. poor, etc. And she clear she falls from there and then. Yeah. And that sort of sets out the character that she has for the rest of the movie. She doesn't evolve past that, I don't think. So hmm. I I don't know. I don't know. The performance from Jessica Chain's really good, Andrew Garfield's really good as well. Hmm. And maybe if it was an hour and a half long, I'd feel differently. But at like two hours and ten minutes, I didn't feel like it justified its length. Like by the time it ended, I was a bit like, it was a well made movie, but the story just didn't. There was there wasn't mm. enough of a, of there wasn't enough to the story to interest me. I felt like by the end. Uh-uh. So, yeah, but you know, I'm glad to have watched it to see you know such a good performance from Jessica Chastain mm. and. I'm glad that I'm glad that she's won an Oscar, I guess, if that's an important thing. Yeah. 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 So that's yeah. Uh other than that, uh I watched the second episode of Moon Knight and it's very good. And oh, I, I haven't it. watched that and yet. I look forward I to seeing it. It. Uh, it's good. I look forward to watching the third episode when that comes out. And um yeah. Good. That's culture catch up. Nice. Sir. Yeah. Shall we do a little bit of um my tube. Yes, please. show of you hopefully the what you're going to show me today is not as crazy as last week because i couldn't even comment on it huh what who where <laughs> who's this ah the place uh well interestingly it's another apple tv thing oh good so see what you think of uh this so george has sent me another apple TV plus official sneak peek prehistoric planet. Yeah. Eyes ready. Ready to go? Yeah. Okay, three, two, one, go. Dawn on oh. the shore of the David Attenborough. <gasps> oh, turtles. Yeah. Oh, there are lots of turtles hatchlings. 
And David Attenborough is talking, narrating. And they go instinctively in the water. And then suddenly a bird is going to come and eat it. What? They've been spotted by a hunter. That's not a normal hunter. There's a, there's a out of, what? Is that a dinosaur? <laughs> what? <laughs> is, and the dinosaurs are just squished the, a young T-Rex. <gasps> is David Attenborough doing, what? Is David Attenborough doing a <laughs> documentary about, about dinosaurs? As this T-Rex is trying to kill a little turtle. But he's inexperienced. And it's fluffy. It's a fluffy T-Rex. Yeah. And it goes away. And he's on a beach. And there's Mama T-Rex. A full-grown T-Rex is the planet's most powerful predator. What is this? <laughs> what is this? The T-Rex is being father. Prehistoric planet with David Attenborough. Oh, wow. Oh. What do you think of that? I love David Attenborough. So, <laughs> but it feels a bit kind of weird that they're doing a documentary about <laughs> about well, dinosaurs. Well, did, did you never did you never see walk, Walking with Dinosaurs? No, I never saw that. Ah, uh, did you have you heard of it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I was obsessed with Walking with Dinosaurs. I think that was on when I was in school. Hmm. Um. And that was a show the BBC did years ago now that was basically this, like using CGI to make a what looks like a natural history mm. documentary um, about dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, but when you watch, if you watch Walking with Dinosaurs now, it looks terrible. Cause <laughs> it's like early 2000s, late 90s CGI. Yeah. Whereas this is being made with um, John Favreau's Lion King technology to mm. try and make photorealistic uh, dinosaurs. And I'm, ass I'm assuming and hoping that they've, you know, collaborated with paleontologists to yeah. try and create this. I think it's a five episode, one episode mm. per night kind of event thing where they're going to, um, it's, it's, it's a documentary about dinosaurs. I'm very excited. Interesting. Sounds, sounds good. Looks good. I'm a bit like, uh, you know, I do like dinosaurs, but I think, yeah. Like again, it's like how how true is it? <laughs> well, we can't ever know for sure, can we? Yeah, it's it's yeah. exciting to um, yeah. it. I mean, I'm, what I'm hoping is it's like an adaptation of the current theories on how they lived and and mm. survived yeah. in the in the prehistoric world. I like the tiny, t fluffy T Rex though. That was cool. Yeah. Are you excited cool. about it? You must um, be so excited. Yeah, my, I love dinosaurs. I'm, I'm extremely yeah, no. <laughs> excited about it. I cannot wait. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my my tube for today. Little nice. little look at prehistoric planet. Yeah. Um, right. Shall we have a chat about some music? 
Yeah, let's chat about Unlimited Love. <clears throat> Unlimited Love, the latest album, I believe the 12th studio album from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The first one with the what is considered sort of the canonical lineup of uh, Anthony Kiedis, Flea, mm. Chad Smith, and John Frusciante since 2006 when they released Stadium Arcadium because uh, John Frusciante left the band after that. Yeah. And they recruited Josh Klinghoffer to be mm-hmm. their guitarist for two albums I'm With You in 2011 and um, The Getaway in 2016. And. Um, they announced a couple of years ago with much fanfare that Josh Klinghoffer had left the band and um, John Frusciante had returned and uh, they promised a new album and a world tour, et cetera, et cetera. And the world tour mm. starts in June and the album is now here with us. It's 73 minutes long. It's 17 tracks long mm-hmm. and um, it's interesting. It's exciting to have a new yeah. album. What's your What's your history with the Red Hot Chili Peppers as a band, Alex? Uh, okay, my history with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, I, uh, like I've said many times, I uh, used to uh, live on MTV. So um, I think I started listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers when I saw uh, the video of the track Scar Tissue from the 1999 album Californication. Um, Mm. Scar Tissue was this amazing video that uh, was on MTV constantly and it was just the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, in a car um, uh, singing and they were all broken up they had like scar they had like bandages everywhere and uh, so that was my first uh, Red Hot Chili Pepper kind of experience and Californication was the first album that I uh, listened to and then I went back and also at the time All Saints uh, did a cover for Under the Bridge yes they did and that was another thing I was like oh okay so the Red Hot Chili Peppers and so um, I went to listen uh, Under the Bridge was in blood sugar sex magic and so that was kind of like my my start of uh uh red hot chili peppers and you know i i listened to them i stopped listening to them i carried on listening to them um i i'm a i'm a john frusciante kind of a red hot chili when john frusciante is there i much prefer them (laughs) than when John Frusciante is not there. So I kind of fall in love and fall out of love with them, depending (laughs) if uh, John Frusciante is in the group. Uh, And for the longest time, I I thought John Frusciante's name was called Jack Frusciante because there was this kind of uh, book. There was was this book in Italy called uh, Jack Frusciante è uscito dal gruppo which is Jack Frusciante left the band, uh, of this uh, uh, writer from Bologna. And it was a cult book. Uh, it became a film. I, 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 I love the book. I love the film. And he could not use John Frusciante's name because of uh, um, copyright reasons or something. Something couldn't use his name. And so the publicist said he yeah. had to call him Jack Frusciante. So for the longest time, and still now, I think of Jack Frusciante, not John Frusciante. But um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so bizarre. yeah. So my relationship started in 1999. Uh, and then t- 
two, five, six, seven years ago. Was it seven years ago? 2016, so six, six years, years ago. ago. Six years ago, uh, like a dream that wanting to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers kind of came true when we went to a, a show in uh, Japan, uh, in a festival in Japan called Fuji Rock. We were all very excited to see Red Hot Chili Peppers and it was possibly one of the worst experiences of my life. Um, wow. Mm, maybe because I was so excited about them. Maybe because, uh, I don't know, but they were not good. And so... No they, no, they weren't. They were not good. The sound was bad. But I think the sound was bad. The energy was low. Um, there were like millions of people in on that stage. It was not good. And I kind of went yeah. a bit meh on them. And then this is the first album I listened to in a while. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is the first album they've put out since touring it's, The Getaway, yeah. which is the one we saw them touring. Um, yeah. What's your yeah, relationship that's fair. with that, them? I mean, uh, well, I grew up kind of probably like you, hearing their songs a lot from when Blood Sugar Sex Magic came out in 1991. You, mm. you know, Under the Bridge, Give It Away, etc. were pretty mm. common. Common songs to hear, and then uh, Californication. I remember hearing that when that song came out, and the singles mm. off that album. And then, as I've spoken about before on here, I didn't really get into music properly until I was about eighteen. And when I first started getting into music, I think I got in a charity shop. Um, by the way, so that was the first album of theirs oh, that I okay. listened to, and really, mm. really fell in love with. And then started exploring them, and a bit like you, discovered that <coughs> when John Frusciante's there, mm. big fan of what they're doing. When he's yeah. not there slightly less interested although one hot minute the album where dave navarro was the guitarist was has some okay stuff on mm, it but yeah yeah broadly so they've put out 12 12 albums in total now six mm-hmm. of them with him and six of them without him and i think definitely mm-hmm. like the six with him you know blood sugar sex magic mother's milk maybe to a last degree i've not listened to that one as much but blood mother's milk blood sugar sex magic californication by the way stadium arcadium and unlimited love are all to one degree or another, pretty great albums, whereas the ones without him are more mixed. But the, the stuff they did with Josh Klinghoffer is okay. But like when then, so then I I kind of really loved them for a long time. A bit like you, Dream Come True, got to see them live at Fuji Rock, mm. and like you, was pretty disappointed with what we got. Mm. Again, the sound was really terrible. We could barely hear them from where we yeah. were stood, and the energy on the stage didn't seem to be there particularly. And the set list was made up of a lot of songs off the new album at the time, yeah. which is not necessarily what you were hoping to hear. Because um, I, I think that festival. album's all right. I've got a soft spot for it. But yeah, at festivals, you're sort of expecting them. But they've got, they've, I think they've got this reputation for being um, quite unpredictable live. You'd never know mm. what, like sometimes they can be absolutely amazing and other times they're just not feeling it for whatever reason. And I think it's part of them, like they are kind of a jam band, a funk band, yeah. they kind of, yeah. Like they like to create a feeling on stage as if they are sort of jamming out. And I think sometimes that can result in greatness and sometimes mm. it doesn't quite hit and it results in something a bit more. Um, yeah. And that was just unfortunate. And it's unfortunate when people pay a lot of money to see them and stuff that sometimes you're not going to get a great show. But I guess it's part of the thing with them. Um, mm. What do you think about the fact that like they're, they're often considered to be a bit of a joke? Or, you know, you people, people you hear people really berate them for being terrible. Like, there are people that absolutely can't stand them. Um, 
you think like why why do you think people feel that way about them? Do you ever feel embarrassed about liking them? Um <clears throat> I don't feel embarrassed to liking their music. I thought I I I think I grew up in in Italy they are really amazingly regarded, so I've never actually been with people that detest them. Um and uh I've uh they're different. I think I think that's what I, in a way, I admire about them because they're different and they 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 don't compromise very much. They do their own thing, and um, mm. I I was really disappointed at that festival, and I was like, well, if I if I want to see a band, I want to see a band that will give me something, and I I do. I I was upset about that mainly because of my experience with them. But if anybody says, "Oh, why do you like Red Hot Chili Peppers?" I'm just gonna like, well, because I do. You know, go away. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they're a joke though. I think fair. they're they're really good, and you know, they're fun. They're a fun band. They've always been fun. Yeah, and I think that's what I like about them. Yeah, I agree. Mm. But there's like there's a very famous quote from Nick Cave, um, who said in an interview, uh, "I'm forever standing next to the radio and thinking, what the f is this shit?" <laughs> and the answer is always the the Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> uh, which is a pretty <laughs> witty, funny way to phrase it. Um, uh... But I think what I really like is quite quite recently there was a there was a video of Flea going up on stage and playing with. Because Flea is really interesting because I think I feel like you hear about a lot of musicians not liking the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And yeah. Like one of my favourite bands of all time, Faith No More, have a big rivalry with the Red Hot Chili Peppers mm. and Anthony Kiedis famously can't stand Mike Patton, etc. Yeah. But Flea seems to be someone who get who does have a lot of respect from people in the world of musicians. Like he's, yeah. he's in a band, he's formed a band in the past with Tom York from Radiohead and I yeah. struggle to picture Tom York listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Um, and he recently went up on stage and played with Nick Cave. And I, I remember th- I saw that and I was like, but Nick Cave, and I looked it up and Flea in the past has said, you know, if he doesn't like my band, then that's okay. I love his band and I think his music's great. And, yeah. you know, he's a good musician. And, I, I, and, and Nick Cave has said, and I just think it's, I kind of have a lot of respect for how, for, for when I see the, particularly people like Flea, mm. just seems like a, enjoyable like th- th- I don't know being able to being able to take that criticism from someone like Nick Cave and still go up on stage and play with him and be friends yeah. with him is quite emotional shows a lot of maturity I think so yeah. yeah I don't know I like them I like them a lot so that brings us to Unlimited Love what did you think like what were you expecting going in before you listened to it um you you told me that it was out and I didn't realize that John Frusciante was back and I was like, I'm going to hate it. Well, I'm not going to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was mine going in because I didn't read anything about it. I didn't. You just said, oh, listen to it. And I listened to it. And I was like, and, and without realizing that John was back. Oh, so you didn't know he was back in the band then? No. <laughs> but then. Oh, when did, when, when did. Uh, pretty much yeah. after like. 30 seconds when Black Summer started playing, I was like, he's back. <laughs> he's back. I was, I, I, I felt, I felt emotional. <laughs> it was really, oh, really strange. 
It was just like you could, it could hear he, he was back. He's... So apparently, what happened was that they they had started recording, preparing to record a new album with Josh Klinghoffer after mm. they finished touring yeah. the Getaway. And the recording sessions weren't really coming together. The songwriting sessions weren't really working. Yeah. And Flea and Anthony Kiedis were like, something needs to change. And they started thinking, wouldn't it be nice to include John in this? Mm. And apparently John, like John spent, after he left the Flea, the Fleas in like 2010 or whatever, he spent a decade being pretty isolated, not really mm. talking to any of the rest of the band or anyone really and making a lot of electronic music and not being involved in rock music at all but had recently started talking to them again and had been pictured at basketball games with Flea and stuff and they'd mm. started being friends again. And Flea suggested to him the idea of rejoining. And supposedly he was sat at home thinking, can I even write rock music anymore? Like, yeah. am I capable of that now? And started messing around on a guitar and the song he wrote that day was Black Summer. Ah, oh, but you can hear it. <laughs> you can hear it. He's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's amazing how you can have... I have so much, I also have so much respect for, um, for John Frusciante. He's such a, he was kind of such a tortured soul for so, so long uh, with his, um, yeah. uh, his drug addiction and well, his substance addiction. And, uh, and he was so young when he joined the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I just, and the, his, the, I mean, awe of this man and how he can change the sound of this band and elevate it to a different, in a different direction, whilst also compromising yeah. to make the sa- the band sound sound like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, like I, I love him. Um, I, I love, I love John Frusciante. Like I'm, I'm a. <laughs> I love him. Uh, yeah, so That's I funny. when I when I listened to the first song, I was like, "Oh my god, he's back!" And I was so excited to listen to this album. So excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how did you feel going into the album? Well, I knew he was. I mean, I knew he was back. Like when they announced mm. it was coming back, I knew. Like I, I, so I'd known for ages and been kind of anticipating it, and I actually. Was they announced a, a concert in Manchester um, that's happening in Ju- June this year? Yeah, and I was very like, "Do I burn myself a second time <laughs> with them?" But the fact oh. that he, I was like, "But John Frusciante is back in the band." I want, like, if I see the Chili Peppers, I want to see them with him in the band. Yeah. So I got tick. So I've got tickets to see oh. them in June. Oh, amazing! Oh, I know. Sorry. Take a little film for um, me. Just a little one. I'll I tell will. you even the you know, song. The... I'll tell you the song that you have to from this album. No, after. Like I'll tell you after. All right. Song. Okay. 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 Um, and so I was like quite nervous about the album coming out away because I I was like I want it to be good because they're yeah. gonna probably play quite a lot of it. Yeah. And I and and the tickets the tickets for this gig this might be the most money I've spent on gig to oh like this God. was maybe the most expensive How gig of like ninety pounds ninety <sighs> English pounds for a ticket to see them. <laughs> Wow, that's yeah, a lot yeah. of money. I know, I know. I'm a, I'm an, I'm a, I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> so, and then before the album came out, they released a few singles, and the first single they put out was "Black Summer," and that song is a grower. The first time I listened to it, I was not sure, mm. but now I really, really like mm. it. And he is like he's been made fun of for doing a sort of sea shanty. Like his vocals on that song are unlike anything. Like Anthony Kiedis' vocals on yeah. Black Summer, 
they're not like anything else he's ever done. And it does sound a bit like a kind of weird sea shanty. But mm. I like it when he does weird things and I like that. And um, then they released, what was the second single? Poster Child, which yes. was... I, I met, again, I listened to that and the first time I heard it, I was like, what is this? What yeah. what on earth are they doing? And I think that's the funkiest they've sounded in a very yeah. long time. Yeah. That um, I The, the second time I listened to Poster Child, I was like... Post the child. I was like straight away. It was like so funky and so like yeah, yeah. Come on, Andy. Yeah, I mean it's like their version of "We Didn't Start the Fire" or something, isn't it? Like it's just an endless parade of um, pop culture references. Yeah, uh, it's, it's yeah. something else. Um, and then not the light, not the one is the third single, which is like mm. a nice little ballad. So those are the yeah. three songs I'd heard before the album came out, and I put the album on, and was like. Yeah, was pretty pretty much hooked from the second. Like the first, I was like, Black Summer, I've heard this. And then I was like, where are we going afterwards? And then Here Ever After is mm. such a classic yeah. Chili Peppers song with a great chorus. Mm. Um, and yeah, other than still not really understanding what an aquatic mouth dance is, I was pretty, no, pretty hooked me neither. on it. <laughs> no, me neither. I, I read think, earlier I think... that it, it's... Oh, go on. I think they've gone a little bit... <laughs> weird with the lyrics in this album i mean they've always been pretty weird yeah yeah but i feel like i can i can hear them more more now just like okay yeah yeah maybe mm. they're mad apparently it might maybe it's it might be singing an aquatic mouth dance might be singing but okay. who knows so apparently so what we get so in a minute we're gonna go through our top five tracks on the album our top five um, is that are we doing a top five you didn't know tell me that i thought we were. oh sorry what did you have I just just like things that I liked about him. I thought we were going to just talk about songs we liked, but we can go top five if you want. Uh, well, only if you can do it. <laughs> but while you're thinking about that, just um, I was reading some of the interviews and mm. stuff about the making of this album, and apparently they started recording together just as COVID hit. So not long into recording, they mm. all had to go home and uh, weren't able to record anymore. Um, and... They, but it did mean they were able to write songs and when they were finally able to reconvene in the recording studio, they had over 100 song ideas between mm. them, uh, 17 of which, of course, were on this album. And supposedly they've been saying in interviews that the follow-up will be coming sooner than you would think and mm. they've got plans for what they're, what John Frusciante has described as a more relaxed and chilled-out album uh, to follow, which surprises mm. me because I found this album overall to be fairly chilled compared to, um, you know some of the heavier, like Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which is mm. all kind of funk, hip-hop, rap, rock stuff. This is much more in your by-the-way kind of vein. Mm. Um, but yeah, so any other thoughts on the album? Or are we going to start talking about some of the songs we like? Um, I think... I think Yeah, I think the only criticism I have is probably that sometimes I find now Anthony Kiedis's voice slightly annoying wow <laughs> i love his voice i find i love it, his yeah uh, no I'm i not. don't know what it is about it that i really like i don't like his hair 
Yeah, I don't know because when Sam turns up with like, I like, oh, just chill out. But I don't know. No, I like I like the weird like you've got the really sort of clean melodic choruses and then the sort of wrapped lyric. Yeah, no, I like it. But he needs to get rid of his mustache and bowl cut. I don't know what I don't know what he's doing with that. Maybe maybe I managed Um, to do a top five. You sure? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Um, Just because. Um, I've listened to the album like a few times, but it's so long that it just it takes time to kind of like listen to it and um, yeah. But oh, I know definitely. A, this is a, definitely like a a proto top five, I'd say, like where we are at the yeah. moment. Because yeah, where it could we are change. at the moment, yeah, yeah. Because but I think I think they've yeah. gone back to being their funky selves, and I think they've uh, allowed John Frusciante to have a big stamp on it. Um, yeah. and I love the, the, the message behind it. Uh, Flea, I, I read something that Flea was talking about, you know, uh, you know, putting your differences aside and having a little bit of humility and becoming friends again. And I feel like this has got a nice vibe like that to it, you know, stop wasting time yeah. and hating and st- carry on, just become friends again. And I, f- I feel like this album does that and i like for it. sure mm. cool okay well do you want to start with a track that you like uh yeah um <laughs> my number five is probably uh track number five <coughs> uh poster child which sounds a little bit like this <laughs> There we go. Uh, Very funky. It's funky. It's <coughs> wonderful. It's full of pop culture references that I don't know if they make sense. Oh. It's definitely their old style. It reminds me of uh, Can't Stop and By The Way. Uh, it's like their... Yeah, it's a bit like Can't Stop, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. And it's definitely their sound and I like it. And it's super funky. And I don't know, I just like, I was just, I really like Poster Child. I think is uh, really good. Yeah, I, I the first time I heard because what the things I really like in Red Hot Chili Peppers are the sort of the soaring choruses, which there's less of that in this song, mm. which turned me off it at first. But the more I've listened to it, the more it kind of it just has this groove that sucks you in. Yeah, and once you've learned it and you know it, you can kind of just yeah, it sounds really pretentious, but you can kind of just jam to it. Um, yeah, and yeah, the, I mean the 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 lyrics are. So dense, <laughs> and, in, and yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they're dense in a way where it's clever, or they're dense just because he's just rhymed a load of things together. Because yeah. like it starts with Melly Mel and Richard Hell were dancing at the Taco Bell when someone heard a rebel rebel yell. I think it was an infidel. Adam Ant and Robert Plant were centers of a sycophant enlisted by Ulysses Grant to record at the record plant. Islamabad is on the nod. Havana at the White <laughs> Squad, and if you want to be a mod, you'll have to meet me at the quad. You got yeah. the best of my loco. I'll take the rest. It's just. Yeah, it's dense. I'm scrolling yeah. through the lyrics and just the amount of lyrics in this song for a five minute long song is is mad. But um, I love it. So good choice. Feed number five pick. Um, do you want my number five? Yes, please. My number five is the first one I heard that's fresh for the album that's not a single, which is track two. 
Here Ever After, mm. which might just because I've heard it a lot because I like to listen to albums in order, but I really like this song after a few listens. It sounds a bit like this. It just starts driving, pushing. And then, if I skip ahead slightly. Which one is this one? Second track. Yeah, big song, big fan of that song. Mm. Just because, again, again, it, it reminds me of, say, something off Californication, where it's just yeah. got this driving rhythm and then this soaring chorus and it's just it's the exact sound that I want to hear from the Red Hot Chili Peppers so I loved I loved I loved that track yeah. track two here ever after what's your number four my number four is track number one Black Summer <gasps> yeah you, you, I mean you can you can hear so yeah. quickly that it, yeah that, it's him <laughs> But then it starts really mellow, but it builds and builds. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Like, no. Yeah. I was just so happy. I'm, you know what? I'm so glad I didn't read sometimes. Maybe I miss out on things, <laughs> but when that I was driving and when that track came on, I was not excited to listen to this album. And when that <laughs> track came on, I was like, no, no. And I was so happy. It made me so happy that oh. he's back. The sound is back. I'm enjoying this album. And it's just John, John, John Frusciante's guitar is back and it feels good. Yeah. Yep. It feels it really good. And the uh, arches I, on the run. It's and it's a just good, a really good start, voice. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, good four? choice. Black Summer's good. My number four is your number five. Oh, Poster Child. Poster Child. Poster Poster child. Like I said, I didn't like it when I first heard it. I thought yeah. it was silly. And then, like with a lot of things that you think are silly at first with Red Hot Chili Peppers, you turn... They just beat you down into submission and you end up with it. So, yeah. <laughs> like me, like me. Yeah. What's your number three? My number three is the last song in the album, number 17, and is the song, the ballad, Tangelo. Tangelo sounds a bit like this. Oh, uh, I just feel like they're so funky and they can be really <clears throat> silly, silly and like funky. We're gonna, blah, blah, blah. but then their ballads are amazing. 
like when uh, Road Tripping, for example, I love that song. And it's just, you yeah. know, even the video is just like Flea, John Frusciante and Anthony, just, you know, those three just like riffing. And I just, I just, I, I think that they're, they're so versatile. And I think that's why you can't hate Red Hot Chili Peppers because they've been going on for years. They're amazing. And they, they do whatever they want to do. That is, yeah. 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 And they want to end they want to end their hour and twenty minute long or however long it is album with a yeah. with a little acoustic ballad. That's yeah. lovely. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um what is my number three? My number three is Bastards of Light. Yes. Good track. Yes. Thank you. Sounds a bit like this. Or sounds exactly like that. <laughs> Sorry. Anything at all. Anything and I will find you. Anything at all. of your life. Love it. That that is uh, gonna grow on me a lot. I think. I think that's gonna end up being one of my favorite songs of theirs, just generally. Mm. <clears throat> nice. Um, it's just got. It's just that's that's one of those songs where they are all working together, and they are. It just produces a, a really good song. <laughs> I, I'm not as good as. I'm not as good at talking about music as I'm as to, uh, talking about films. I think, and not that I'm good at talking about films. Well, but, you're better talking um, to, uh, anything than I'm talking about anything. I'm rubbish That's at everything. Disagree. Um, yeah, no, but I think that song's great and I love the chorus, I love the way it builds and um, I'm excited to listen to it more. What's your number two? My number two is one of the heavier tracks on the album and quite rocky, like they left a little bit the funk away and is mm. These Are The Ways. That's my number two as well. No, I love that. I love that song. Yeah. Uh, and Let's this is a little a bit John of it. And you're right, it's, yeah. it's almost metal, isn't it, this song? I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, uh, sounds a bit but, like yeah, this. But it comes, it comes like, it's eighth in the track. It's kind of in the middle. And it kind of like yeah. shift is, shifts a, bit, a little bit the gears of the album. Definitely. Make me a fist. Purple Mount Road did I can miss Have we all had enough? Have we all had Amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that song. So uh, good. I'm, that song's growing on me a lot. And like, 
initially I was a bit disappointed. Like the first half of this album, you're like, it's very mellow, it's very chill, yeah. it's good. But I love I love that there's at least one really heavy rock song on this yeah. album, and uh, these are the ways is it. Um, and they quite cleverly put it out as a single just before the album came out because I think they knew it was a, a good one. So so yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, right, what's your number one? What's your favourite song on this album so far? My, uh, my number one is because <clears throat> I am basic and I love John Frusciante and I love his voice. And so every time I listen to a song, I, I, I'm, I'm happy. And my number one is uh, track 16, The Heavy Wing. Uh, John sings the chorus. So let's listen to the chorus. <laughs> let's listen to the chorus. <laughs> let's listen to the chorus once <laughs> you tell me the name the... of the song. Ah, uh, sorry, I said The because Heavy Wing. You no. I know, but you cut out, so I, you, okay. cut, out, you oh, cut out at the moment that you said the name of it, and I was so confused. <laughs> the Heavy Wing. Uh, the Heavy because, Wing. Okay, yeah, The Heavy Wing sounds John... a little bit like this. Oh, that's weird. What? All of these tracks have got the lyrics on Spotify, except for this one. I was able to scroll through and easily find the choruses, but for this one it's a bit tricky. But let's have a little guess. No, that was it! Sorry. No, go back, go back. I love it, boy. That is great. That is such a good song. I kind of, I regret not putting that on my top five now. I think I've not listened to the end of this album enough. Yeah, that song is amazing. I just, I'm just, I'm basic. Like, if just if John Frusciante is involved, I'm like, yes, that's my song. (laughs) I'm even more basic than you because my number one is Black Summer, which we've already talked about. (laughs) You're basic. I know, but I just, it's that, that was just hearing yeah. them, yeah. hearing them again as a yeah. full band again You're was right. so exciting. Yeah. And like that song has grown on me so much and I've just yeah. listened to it over and over again recently. Um, yeah. And I just love like my brother who is actually in the flat right now and probably Hi, brother. Me, uh, thinks that he can't hear you because you're in headphones, oh. but he, <laughs> he does not like the, the sea shanty vocals in this song, but I, I, they've really grown on me. I'm Aww. a big fan of that whole like, The archers on the run. And the have you seen the music video for Black Summer? No. Ah, oh, can we do a little little before yeah. we break up? Let's do a little my tune yeah. and look at the music video for this song because it is the cheapest music video of all time. Are you ready? Three, yeah. two, one, go. Okay, so Anthony is walking somewhere. Yeah. Oh, his hair is just terrible. Cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So he's, I think there's a green screen behind him. Uh, and definitely. He's dancing? No, I think he's in sync, is he? Sure. But look at his dancing. I love it. Yeah. He's always been good with his body, though. Ooh. I mean, yeah. On the dark side of the moon. Hi, Flea. Flea has got a poncho. And Flea has looked the same since he started Red Hot Chili Peppers. He has never changed. Oh, but who's this? John! Hi, John. Welcome back. And but look, they've just they've just put them in front of a green screen yeah. and then put a screensaver on yeah. behind it. But I think they're the only band that can do this. I'm appreciating this video because Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's why they're amazing. They can do anything. I don't mind. If this would have been any other band, I'd be like, oh, come on. But it's them. <laughs> I think, in my opinion. Oh, I love that little archery thing he does for yeah. the It's so silly. And like, uh, John is by some uh, some uh, icebergs. Off, his shirt's come off. Yeah. Obviously. Flea is on Anthony. Da, da, da. And he's dancing like he does. Da, da. Uh, the, what's the drama called? Will Ferrell. Yeah, he is exactly like Will Ferrell. <laughs> but what's his name? Uh, Chad Smith. Yeah, Chad Smith. It looks just like... It's just like I can't believe two people can look so similar. <laughs> and now they're on... Oh, this video is so cheesy and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit silly, isn't it? They could do better. It is. But they don't want to do better. They're okay with oh. this. I'll <laughs> let it slide. How you see John Frusciante now and his addiction has completely changed his face like he's not even the same person as he was when he started the Chili Peppers have you ever seen him that yeah young? I don't think I have he's like he's like a different human he's amazing I was obsessed wow. with him I watched lots of stuff about him I mean, he's about to turn 60, so to be fair to him... Who? Kiedis, Anthony Kiedis. Is he? Oh my God, yeah. he's looking great. Oh. I'm so jealous you're going to see them now that I'm enjoying this album. They have a different energy, haven't they? Like, this is oh, well, the I mean, energy that we need from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Do you remember a few years ago I showed you... Not a few years ago. At some point I showed you when they were at the Grammys a couple of years ago yeah. and they played with Post Malone. Yeah. And they just had no energy yeah. and it just felt like they were there for yeah. the sake of it. This is so much better. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to see them. Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you. I'm glad you made me listen to it. I wasn't going to. And well, I'm, I'm in like love it. again with them. I think this is my love. You know, I'm in love. And then I'll fall in love with them when, again when John leaves again. <laughs> yeah. I hope, it, I hope they get, I hope they get a, bit, a few more albums under yeah. their belt before he leaves again. I'd love to, I'd yeah. love him to stay around. Um, the only thing that this album made me oh, feel 
mm. last thing, and I'm going to go a little bit sad. It's just um, uh, recently uh, uh, the drummer of Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins, <sighs> passed away. And yeah. and when it happened, I was like, oh, that that's that's sad. And I don't know, listening to this album and thinking about it, more the time passes, the more I'm like, I can't, I'm I'm so upset about it. I've got, I was, and I was listening to this album. I was like, oh, but Taylor Hawkins will never be able to do another album again with Foo Fighters mm-hmm. and yeah. be another great album. You know, Red Hot Chili Peppers have had like ups and downs, ups and downs. And, you know, Foo Fighters have had the same. And Taylor Hawkins will never experience another real up. Yeah. It is, yeah, and we, I mean, and me and you have really seen sad. Foo Fighters together as well, haven't we? Hmm? And I think you are, we've both seen Foo Fighters together. Yeah, and I'm so glad and we did because there were live Foo Fighters were, like, amazing. But when, and yeah, they were amazing live. And one thing that always came through, because I saw them live, I've seen them live three or four times, is that those those two men are best friends, Taylor Hawkins and Dave Grohl. And yeah. it is really gutting and sad that that's happened that he's passed away yeah um and i can't imagine how difficult it is for those people close to him yeah rest in peace to taylor hawkins yeah rest in peace we haven't spoken um, about it until now but i i didn't feel it was real until <laughs> like the past no, couple of days i was like i can't I woke, believe because it happened it happened overnight in in south america so i woke up and had the notification on my phone and it just yeah. you know sometimes you look at something like am i still yeah asleep yeah. that can't yeah. that can't say what it says that can't be right um and i thought yeah it was horrible. a joke like i i uh, not a joke you know this like fake news i just thought it was fake news i was like well it's not possible yeah that's not gonna happen no no and then the more time passes yeah. then i'm like oh it has happened and i'm getting sadder and it's so yeah yeah um yeah i agree uh I've got three other tracks that I really enjoyed yeah. uh, that weren't in my top five, mm-hmm. uh, and they are not the one, the single. Same. I really like that. Uh, the Great Apes. <laughs> I find it, I, it's an interesting track. I can say that. It's weird, but I really like the line, um, all my love and half my kisses, superstar don't do the dishes, mm-hmm. is a pretty good <laughs> <laughs> lyric. Um and yeah, just the again the chorus of "I just want the great apes to be free." I, I I like that song. And then I haven't listened to it loads, but I saw it highlighted as one of the best tracks on the album on some website, and it is good. Is the song Veronica? I quite like Veronica actually. Yeah, it's, so um, that's growing on me. I like Veronica. Have you got any others that you just want to quickly highlight? Um, I quite like Eleven Bastards of Light. Yeah, um, well, that was on my top five. We talked about that. Yeah, uh, number fifteen. Let Let them cry. I liked it because. Um, number 15 let them cry I thought it was like it kind of became funky again like gone back to kind of like a nice yeah. little funk which I like yeah um, the the one that I found the least <laughs> enjoyable uh, which I, maybe I'll ask you quickly is number 7 she's a lover it kind of reminded me a little bit of like Maroon 5 and Sugar Ray <laughs> kind of like like a California beach vibe which doesn't really fit in this album, but kind of fits. It's like really strange. When when the funk gets too smooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like, mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, so let me have a quick let me have a quick listen to that one. Yeah, she's a lover, number seven. 
I I quite like the start, but then when it kicks in, kicks into that. But go to the pre-chorus and chorus. So now it's funky, yeah? Yeah, so it's quite nice. And then it goes into Maroon 5. Me, love me. No? Yeah. And I'm like, what? Oh, also. Uh, that's, that's, so he says, wake up and hug me. I will be a torrid beast. And for every time I've, until now, looking at the lyrics, every time I listen to this, this song, I'm like, is he saying I will be a Tory beast? <laughs> I thought the same, a Tory beast. Yeah. I was like, so why is he going to be a Tory? Why is he singing about Tories? Is, he does, <laughs> does he know what a Tory is? And why does he want to be one? <laughs> Nobody um, wants to be a Tory. <laughs> no, yeah, that wake up and squeeze, me. It's, it is very Maroon 5. Yeah, it's a bit I, I just cheat, had no place in this album, but I was like, <laughs> oh, you know, if you want to go Maroon 5, I'll allow it this time. <laughs> Just only this one time. God, Adam Levine wishes he could be as good as uh, Anthony Kiedis. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, quick rating out of five? Uh, I would say... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it got me excited again about this band and the possibilities. I'm going to give them a 4.5. Wow, a 4.5. Um, I'm going to follow the theme of the album, Unlimited Love, 5 out of 5. Yeah, you're good. You're better yeah. than me. That's not true. Um, like Pitchfork gave them a really bad, like 6.2. Yeah, but Pitchfork, yeah, no, their, but... Their, their scores are more reflective of what, where they think popular culture is than what yeah. they actually think of music. Um the goons. That's right, Pitchfork. I'm coming for you. I'm calling you a goon. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think I think generally it's been fairly well received. This album. Mm. Um, I, I I like it. I like it a lot. Actually, it's, and in in fact, talking to you about it now has made me like it more. Yeah, and some same. of the tracks you've highlighted, like the heavy wing in particular, um, is making me realise that this is this might be a bit of a classic Pe- Peppers album, which is something we've not had since. Like, I don't think Stadium Arcadium even is. No one of their best efforts. Uh, you yeah. know, it's like, by the way, in 2002 might be the last time that they've, yeah. like it might be a solid 20 years since they've put out something yeah. I like as much as, as much as this. Same. So well done. Um, well done. Well done. Well done. Uh, <laughs> well done. Chili peppers. Pepper boys. Um, and I'd, I'd, yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Right. That's been our, that's been, that's been unlimited love. Um, have you got a recommendation from your culture catch up this week that people should check out? I would definitely uh, uh, listen to Gum G U G H U M band from London. Mm. Go for it, Gum. And I'd say people should check out uh, Boiling Point, a fantastic film. Big, okay. big recommend on that one. And um, oh, it's the big seventy next week. Yeah, episode seventy. Which, episode seventy, which leaves us just. 50 episodes shy of the big 120, um, which yeah. is exciting. So uh, that's going to be, uh, we're going to go into space, aren't we? Woo-hoo! Yeah. We're going to do top five Star Wars movies. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, there's 11's pick from, you've got episode one. Then you've got episode two. <laughs> episode three comes after that. 
then episode four, then it gets into episode five. After that, there's episode six. Then you've got seven, episode seven, <laughs> followed by episode eight, and then episode nine. And after episode nine, it takes a hard left, and you got Rogue One. And yep. then finally, well, not finally, but then the last one I've not mentioned is is Solo, a Star Solo. Wars Solo. Solo. Um, so from those 11 movies, we'll each be picking our favourite five. Isn't that yep. exciting? Um uh, to celebrate the release of Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga, which is a very good video game, and ah. uh, the imminent the imminent release of the Obi Wan Kenobi show, which I am exceptionally excited about. Nice. Yeah. Um, so uh, join us for that next week, and please do join the conversation on social media. We're most active on Instagram. And you can find links to our Instagram page along with all our other social media pages and our email address are in the show notes for this and every episode along with links to what we've discussed in Culture Catch-Up and MyTube. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us this week. It's been a joy to talk about Unlimited Love. We tried it a bit differently this week. Instead of going track by track, we had more free-form discussion, um, which I think has worked better. Yeah. But um, if you have any feedback on our... Because our music episodes, I think, we're slightly less confident on than our film episodes. So... Um, if you have any feedback, we'd really appreciate it. We'd also appreciate a rating and a review on um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere else that you can review podcasts and um, helping us get the word out there and get some more listeners would be appreciated. And um, yeah, see you soon. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.